the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester show. I'm the host as always, Phil Brad, joined with my now regular co-host and magnificent Callum McFadden. Of course, you can find Callum at Callum CFB. Uh, some fantastic stuff for if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check them out. Callum, how you doing, mate? Not bad at all, Phil. Looking forward to be back recording and mm-hmm. we can finally talk about football this week, which is even better. Seems like uh, it's been a long, really, since uh, United... Um, one over a week ago uh, after the game, you know, when the whole Super League thing happened and uh, really killed the enjoyment of those three points against Burnley. And um, it seems like it's been forever. A lot has happened since then. Um, you know, obviously a disappointing game at the weekend. Nil-nil. A poor game. And in some ways, United's worst nightmare because the game wasn't eventful enough for fans to talk about and they're still fixated on the Super League. Um... But uh, you know, it didn't. It didn't stay on social media after the Leeds game. First of all, I watched it on delay anyway, so I deliberately didn't uh, stay on, go on social media. But went on for a few minutes after when I finally did watch it, and I understand my world entitled to opinion, and not everyone has to agree. But the insane levels of negativity over a. Drab draw, a team that went and won at City a couple of weeks ago from people, it's just truly unbelievable to me. And I wonder, is it a personality trait? What is it? Because even when you had a win, they can't enjoy it. Because it almost pisses them off because, nah, it's, it, 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 it puts further distance between Solskjaer and the sack, which is really what they want. Um, and then a draw, you know, one draw which is evidence that Solskjaer is totally inept and it's his fault. Um, and, and, and then the negativity flows. It's just truly unbelievable. And uh, you, you're not going to win every game. You will draw games. You will lose games. That's football. Everyone does, right? Um, and it just, it, it, it's madness to me, Matt. I, I agree with you. And I think the, the game at the weekend was poor. It mm, was drab. And it, it's one of those games where you're 33 games into the league season. Uh, the season, of course, last season finished very late when United came in against Palace um, after only a few weeks' rest. They've played relentlessly in all competitions, as you would want United mm-hmm. to do. Don't get me wrong, that's what you want them to do. But this season was always going to be um, a killer in terms of fatigue for every team United included. And I think that game at the weekend just seemed like one of those classic end-of-season encounters where both teams, leaders sitting ninth, United sitting comfortably-ish in second where a point isn't the worst result in the world and yes Rashford has his free kick which was which was a fantastic free kick which was saved well by the goalkeeper Leeds hit the bar but mm-hmm. overall it was it was quite a drab encounter and, and I agree uh, in terms of the, the, the element of fans on Twitter that if United win it's not convincing mm. enough and if they draw or lose then that's vindication for their belief that they, they don't have the right manager mm-hmm. what makes me laugh though Phil right and, and, and you know yourself that Pochettino was the, the man that was heralded as, mm-hmm. as being the guy who, if you replace Solskjaer with Pochettino, you go on and you, you, you become the best side never known to man. Pochettino isn't even convincingly winning the league over in France. Oh, Lille have had an exceptional season. He's in second, he's a mm-hmm. point behind. So I don't believe, and you've said this and so have I in previous shows, 
a man changing manager doesn't change Manchester United into being what City are now. It just doesn't. No, of course not. And look, Guardiola. If Guardiola is an exceptional coach, one probably the best in the world, right? Irrefutable. But as he has shown himself at sitting, if you don't have the right players to play the way he wants, you can't play that way, right? And Guardiola at a club like United, for example, where he would have to work with an aptitude and within a budget that doesn't have to work with at sitting, wouldn't be doing the same thing, right? I mean, you've seen whenever he had players that weren't good enough and didn't fit the system that he played, how badly they looked within it. And how he needed to keep spending to eventually get the right one. You know, so no question, Guardiola is an exceptional coach, but it is an advantage whenever you can bring in a player for fifty million, doesn't work, bench him, and then bring in another one. I mean, if Juan Basaka was it was at Man City, he'd have been replaced already. Right? I mean, very, very good defender, but technically severely lacking at some key elements of the game, right? Which are costly. So, um, you know, for me, I think uh, there's no realism. Um, uh, there's another bone that I want to pick with Solskjaer that I'll never understand this. I never understand this. Why is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being eviscerated for something that no other Manchester United manager has? Why on earth do those who lead the Love United Hate Glazer campaign think Solskjaer should be heading it up for them? I mean, let's take a look here. Ferguson, probably United's greatest ever manager. He didn't criticize him. Not only did he not criticize him, he heavily praised him and has largely has a huge hand on why they're there at all. There was no expectation put on Ferguson to criticize him. In fact, Ferguson committed absolute treachery in 2005. I mean, listen, let's be honest. You know, Ryan Giggs, wonderful footballer, disgraceful human being. This is just part of what you learn in life that not all your heroes are good people. Alex Ferguson, magnificent football manager, very questionable human being. You know, his greed over the rack of Gibraltar, you know, was a big factor in why we have the Glazers. You know, his his greed and his ego is a large part of why he wanted cubic expression gone and he wanted uh, the Glazers to come in, regardless of the consequence to Manchester United, regardless. There's, it, it, their ownership was completely indefensible. Listen, I, I, I'm I'm relatively uneducated, but even I looked at that takeover of that LBO and went high on earth in any way, shape, or form is this in the interest of Manchester United. It's not. Especially when you're talking about a guy who has been repeatedly on the record talking about how bad debt is and how he's been handicapped in the past by not getting the best players because you know it's weird structure and everything else. Says it cost him European Cups. He's looked thought about going somewhere else at times to these bigger clubs where he could get the best players in the world to satisfy his desire to win a European Cup. He's a socialist, you know, he's from Glasgow, he's from a shipyard, and then he backs this, right? So that Ferguson, prim, primary uh, culprit number one, uh, Van Hal didn't really criticize him. I don't remember Van Hal criticizing him, but Mourinho praised him, right? Uh, and Solskjaer who is being put, being put in a corner and being held up and being criticised for not leading the log campaign. Why do you have this expectation? Why is your support so contingent upon what Solskjaer says? It's unrealistic to expect Solskjaer to be your guy. He's not going to sit in that seat and criticise the owners of this football club, no matter what his views are. right? And maybe it's not because he supports the owners, maybe because he feels that... It's not good for stability inside the football club to do that, right? 
I don't need Suska to tell me the owners are bad people, nor do I need him to criticize them. I already know this. And whether Suska's on board or not will have no impact on my views, and it shouldn't have any on yours. I don't understand why he gets criticised for this. I totally agree with you, and the point that makes me laugh is a lot of people on, online will say, ah, but Jurgen Klopp came out against his owners. If you listen to that full interview he gave with Sky here in the UK, he described his owners as wonderful people. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not the language of somebody coming out and criticising his owners. Like Solskjaer, like Guardiola, he criticised the European Super League. criticised their intent. He, he criticised intent rather than, than, than mm-hmm. the people, and I think it's very easy for people to assume that because you're a football manager, because you're well-paid, because you're an icon in the eyes of, of most of the fans, that you can easily come out and criticise your employer. Regardless of whether you're a football manager, you work in banking, uh, whatever you may work in, it's very, very hard to come out and really stick the boot into your employer and not have ramifications. Now, of course, you can argue football's different in the sense that you've got tens and tens of thousands of fans who would be up in arms if anything happened to your job security. But Mm -hmm. it's not the sort of risk that any manager worth their salt really takes. I mean, Jose Mourinho in every job he's been in tends to turn on the owners when towards the end. He doesn't turn on the owners when he's winning the titles. He doesn't turn on the owners when he's getting the money that he wants for the transfer market. He turns towards the end when he he knows the writing's on the wall. Mm -hmm. I think that's when you'll see most managers criticise a regime it's very unrealistic. I totally agree. It's unrealistic for Solskjaer. It's unrealistic for players as well. Of course, Harry Maguire and others have been praised for criticising the intent of the Super League. Of course they have, and so they should. But it's very easy for fans, whether you go to games, whether you watch games, whatever, whoever you are, wherever you're from, it's very easy to say you should criticise your employers, you should go all in mm-hmm. with the fans. Because as much as Solskjaer is a fan of Manchester United, he's an employee of Manchester United first and foremost, he's there to do a job, he's doing a a very good job at that in my opinion so far he's still got to win trophies, he's still got to turn Mm -hmm. that potential into reality and that's the pressure that will come, but it's very very easy to sit at home and think it's football manager and you can challenge the board over a decision, real life does not work like that, whether you're Klopp, whether you're Guardiola whether you're Mourinho, whether even Sir Alex Ferguson as you say, who's a lot to answer for in regards to the Glazers, you mentioned earlier the quotes about Sir Alex uh, that make me smirk even though I'm Scottish, he's a socialist he's from Govan etc yes that's true and yes, yes he was but Let's be honest with you, as Brian Clough famously said, whenever you do have money, you become a champagne socialist. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian Clough famously made the joke, yes, I wouldn't claim to be a, 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 an out-and-out socialist anymore because I've got a few quid, but I, I look at myself in the mirror and say, I do spend a few quid and put it in the places that need it rather than stock it up mm-hmm. the, the people that the Glazer family do. Fergie was probably the only manager in a position where he could have slaughtered him and not had the rest of his job. Because Absolutely. he was untouchable, right? So Fergie was in the position where they needed him. He didn't need them. If they needed his support, he didn't need theirs. And he so easily could have been a hero to United fans immortalized forever had he have spoke up when we needed him to. Now, this is a guy who, you know... Has had, had a direct relationship with United fans who didn't complain when United fans were certainly, you know, storming race, race tracks to support Fergie over the over Cubic Expression, and you know, Fergie didn't care about that. Now he all of a sudden he cared about the fans and their response and their reaction. And he was extremely critical 
of United fans and their protests and allegedly how detrimental that was to the club and disgracefully disparaged United fans who we'd relied on heavily in the past, right? And his chief executive, who also had came out and criticised the takeover bid correctly, claiming that that is the road to ruin and it was far too highly leveraged. And someone who also had spoken to Andy Walsh, you know, who was head of Amuse at the time, um, and uh, a massive uh, uh, figurehead of the protest, telling him, if I wasn't in my job, I'd be in the trances with you, and then all of a sudden disowned him, right? So if you're really looking for treachery, you got to start there, right? So great football manager, done unbelievable stuff for this football club, no question. As a manager, can't be questioned. But you can't airbrush that out because that is a massive part of the story. So blaming p- subsequent people after that who really haven't got the, the clout. You know, what does Solskjaer go? Solskjaer's not exactly Pep Guardiola where the uh, Glazers are so petrified of losing him, right? He does have a lot of equity with the fans because, you know, he's a legend of the football club. But he doesn't have the managerial clout where, hey, I can go somewhere else. Fergie did. Fergie was immovable. There, it was inconceivable that that... Fo- the, the, I have no doubt whatsoever that the banks would have balked and not lent the Glazers the money had Ferguson not been on board. Take a look at what has happened at football club since Ferguson left. Now imagine that happens in 2005 when they no longer win titles, where they're no longer in the top four because Ferguson left. There's no way a bank's taking that risk. He's too important. What it would have meant for the fans and everything else, no chance. Absolutely, and the other thing that, that you've got to take into account was the market in terms of the football market. I mean, here in terms of player transactions was different. If Ferguson had walked from United, back then, Chelsea and Abramovich would have had the money to take a Scholes, to take a Kiggs, to take these players out of United very easily. The mm-hmm. top fees back then were around £30 million, which the Abramovich at the time, as he showed in his first transfer window in England, was, was, was pocket money. It was mm-hmm. change. Whereas now, you, you could say, say for instance, uh, Neymar and Mbappe walked out of Paris Saint-Germain. You, you, you're talking about nearly half a billion pounds, realistically, t- to get both of them out at the same time. Back in 2005, yes, it would have been a pretty penny to an extent, but you could have got around it. There was no FFP, which I suppose people could say was a joke as well. So you're right that the whole house of cards could have easily fallen uh, in in itself. Ferguson had that power. And, and let's be honest with you, Ferguson... When you look at his relationship with the Glazers, it was very amicable towards the end. I mean, in his book, Leading, he talks about saying to the Glazers when Wayne Rooney asked for his new contract mm-hmm. that he should be paid above every single player and that the Glazers agreed with him and he insisted on it and he was very heavily rewarded. And mm-hmm. in, in situations like that are, of course, going to... I don't want to say buy your silence because obviously I can't speak for Alex Ferguson and maybe he had concerns as, as years were going on. But when you're, been paid, when you're the highest paid player in an organization, paid person, sorry, in an organisation, it's very easy to stay silent on key issues that are divisive. So I agree with you. Sir Alex Ferguson uh, is a genius. He's a football manager that will be worshipped for the rest of time from Manchester United and Scotland fans, of course, as well. But to, to say that he wasn't complicit in the Glazer takeover would be silly. Of course he was, because mm. as you say, it wouldn't have happened if he, if he protested. And even when he was in position as manager, I know we talk about the genius of him when Ronaldo leaves, he brings in Valencia and Owen and Obertan and, and these kind of players. I mean, he, he'd leverage then, but he, you could argue he didn't He didn't necessarily utilise it then either. I know Wayne Rooney gets a lot of stick and divides a lot of fans for this, 
Wayne Rooney was probably one of the few people you could say it was all a play to get a new contract with him and Paul Straitford I get that but Wayne Rooney at least spoke out and questioned the club's ambitions publicly whether as a player he should have been the person or he had the the, the right to do that I, you, you can argue for and against but he spoke out Ferguson didn't and, and we are where we are now uh, other news this week Eric Bailly gets a new contract interested in the um, response it provokes on social media sometimes I get the feeling that some of these responses are a bit like um, spoiled children you know, that uh, no you're not getting a new toy no you're not getting a new present no you're not getting a new surprise use the old one right how on earth can you object to Eric Bailly getting a new contract right now Eric Bailly is a very good defender right Certainly someone capable and fit of starting a lot of games. Uh, certainly someone that uh, I didn't want to lose. United were targeting the centre-back over a year ago with Eric Bailly in the squad. So I don't think Eric Bailly signing a new contract changes whether United want a new centre-back or not because it hasn't solved the problem that existed as to why they want the new centre-back. So it is true that extending Eric Bailly's contract may mean that United don't go after a centre-back this summer, right? But that is a result of budgetary restraints, not because Solskjaer doesn't want one, because the money isn't there. So even if Bailly gets sold, Solskjaer's not getting that money, enough money to go out and buy another top-class centre-back. And they've got a serious issue up front, because even if Cavani stays, I don't believe he'll start more games next season than he started this season. And if you've got a guy that refuses to play twice a week in a league that primarily plays t- twice a week, then you need another striker. You need a guy that's going to play 38 league games like a Harry Maguire up front. right? So this is a problem. It's going to cost a lot of money. Doesn't surprise me to see people like Ronaldo linked with United because what I can see United doing if Cavani leaves is looking for a like-for-like replacement. Someone around that age that's free, pay him decent wages, big wages, and bring them in. Because I don't, I mean, if you look at, there's no way, people are talking about Holland. I can tell you right now, right? Erling Holland is not going to Manchester United. No chance whatsoever. That ship sealed, lost January. That was the time United would have signed him. The idea that this football club is going to go out and spend 100 million plus on a striker for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is just so insane. I, I, I can't understand how anyone would believe that. Right? It's not happening. United won't spend 100 million net on all of their signings this summer. You have that guarantee. So, for me, that's not night. Another player they were linked with, Callum, in the uh, Manchester Evening News, is a young striker who plays for Slavia Prague. Right? And uh, so this kid is, is uh, uh, Abdullah Sima, 19 years old. He's got four goals and nine starts in the Europa League, as well as 19 and 35 playing in the Czech League. He's largely been playing on the right. That is far more likely than an early in Holland. Of course it is. <laughs> you, you, you're spot on. When, when United have shown, I mean, Maguire's signing showed you as well. I mean, the, the, if, if United spend big, it's because they will have recouped money to put towards that. United aren't. People are linking Harry Kane with United, right? 
on paper, I would love Harry Kane at Manchester United. I think it would be a statement signing. I think it would be the sort of signing that would bring the best out in some of the, the, the other forward players as well, because Kane is an out-and-out box striker, but he's got more to his game where he can drop off and play cover passes into the likes of Greenwood and Rashford and, and Martial, if he's still at the club. Kane's a, Kane would be a, a perfect sign of United. But if you were to ask me, uh, do, do I think United are going to go out and spend £100 million plus on Harry Kane, secure him before the Euros and bring him in in a, in a nice, concise manner? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. United might go for a Harry Kane if he forces his way out of Tottenham and Daniel Levy has to sell this summer at a reduced rate and they've managed to get some money for Lingard and a few other fringe players. But United aren't going to go straight out the bat and bring someone like that in unless the price is significantly reduced, which... Given Daniel Levy's history, even though the Super League has probably tied him in knots and he's getting a lot of criticism from his fans, I, I don't see him doing that. In terms of a, a, a project-type striker, it would be perfect in terms of the narrative, I suppose, and what we come to expect from United when they are in a position to challenge, when they're in a position to only get better, or so you think. Um, and I think you, you, you're spot on again in the sense that if United lose Cavani, Ronaldo will, will, will for sure be linked with United. That's the sort of player that will be linked. Obviously, you've mentioned Aguero in the past as well. Found it funny that he didn't go into the pitch during City's last mm-hmm. cup final. Even even when the game looked as if it was even though it was only 1-0, didn't get any minutes at all. There, you, you just wonder what's going on with Aguero. I know there was rumours he was going to Barcelona. The encounter uh, reports coming out saying that that deal's not agreed. So that's one to watch, as you've rightly said. So... An Aguero, a Ronaldo, that would be perfect to United because Aguero would be no fee at all. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo's at the stage with Juventus where with his wages and the fact that they've had a, a, a glorious failure this season in Italy, they're going to want to move him on and he's going to want to move on. I think even if Juventus tried to keep him, he'll kick a stink to get out of there. I, I, I personally think there's no way he's going to go and play Europa League while Messi and Core playing Champions League. So I think I think that's one that could be an option. I know a lot of United fans would love Ronaldo and love the... the the number seven years he'd been available and him coming back to, to get it. And, and don't get me wrong, of course, even though he is 35, 36 now, he would contribute. But maybe I sound silly by saying this. Maybe you'll shoot me down and you'll laugh me off the show. But I just don't I just don't necessarily think with the wages and the, and the fees that he would command at his age that he's the guy I would be bringing in for Manchester United, if I'm honest with you. Next season, of course, he could do a job. Of course he could, but... I just don't think with the amount of games that you get in the Premier League now, you're going to have the Champions League again next year. You're going to have you're, you're hoping to challenge for all competitions. I don't think that Ronaldo coming out of Juventus now is someone who would be the top of my priority list. People might listen to this and laugh, but I, I just he wouldn't be the, the top of my list. I, I I'm, I'm pining this guy. I still I still uh, long for Harry Kane or a player like that because I think he. He, 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 he's semi-realistic compared to Haaland who's totally out of the question but whether Tottenham dropped their fee enough I highly doubt it Calm, you netted an ad sign in Harry Kane alright you see these players that are 100 million plus get them out of your head alright if you go to the Glazers so I wasn't writing that I was just writing out listeners but if you go to the Glazers and say hey Avra need 100 million here to buy Harry Kane so let me get my calculator out. We're second. We may finish first. We may just finish second again. That equals... Uh, no, Ollie. How about that kid at Slavia Prague? Right? Because ultimately it comes down to a couple of things. How much are we going to make? How much can we make off the commercial market and everything else? How much is this going to change our team in terms of what we don't have and what we have? 
How much is... That's the metric that they judge everything with. How much does this make us? It's the only answer they care about with anything. You know? I don't care if it's the birth of their child. How much does this make? How much does this mean? Does this... Financially, what does this mean to me? Everything, all roads lead to that. That's all they care about. It's a mental illness, right? When you have enough money to where you can buy whatever you want, you are financially secure, and still you have this raw pursuit, this ruthless, myopic pursuit of greed of more money, more money, more money, and I don't care what I destroy to get it. Nothing secret to these people. Everything is for sale. Everything has a price. They look at the Mona Lisa and all they see is how much. They can't look at a flower and appreciate the beauty. How much? You see, that's a mental illness. And sadly, it's something that so many of us suffer from, hence the reason why so many people are on antidepressants, because they're living in a materialistic environment that tells them you need more money, you need more money to buy, you need more money, you need more money, you need more money, in the endless pursuit of greed, and it never brings you that happiness. Money buys comfort. That's it. Don't buy happiness. And comfort's not always a good place for a human being to be. A place of discomfort is where creativity comes from, it's where ingenuity comes from. So for me, I think, when you're looking at the Glazers, these people, this is a personality trait, just like Stan Kroenke, billionaire, ruthless pursuit of greed. You know, FSG, ruthless pursuit of greed, right? All of these football clubs that are owned by these people that use it as a vehicle for personal enrichment, right? This, it's mental illness. They don't need the money. So they're not going to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a hundred million plus to spend on a player during this, basically after the football club lost a hundred million in a pandemic, but actually lost two because the Glazers, of course, cashed out and took all this money out, and it's really not COVID that's the reason why he needed or uh, you know have financial issues. We know why, so forget that. Not happening. That that that's the the deeply worrying thing, and I suppose the big test this summer in the market, um, and, it, and, it, and it pains me to say this, Phil. It pains me to say that. You look at you're looking at what your rivals are doing in comparison to yourself because at best you're thinking United might get a, 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 a top-ish level centre half or central midfielder or, or even a striker even if it's an ageing one. You're looking at this United team, or I am anyway at the moment, and I'm thinking it appears to have reached a ceiling where I think it will go far in cups. I think it will finish second in the league. I think you can still squeeze a wee bit of a slight movement out of it. But I don't think you're going to squeeze out to get into to 94, 95 points the way Mourinho's first Chelsea spell went and Pep at City and Klopp at Liverpool did in recent years. I, I, I look at this team and I think they're in need of an injection of real stardust and quality to help take them on even further. You, you've just you've just summed up the, the, the dreaded reality and it's important to stress that it is reality. It mm. might not be what people want to hear. It might not be what... Uh, the YouTubers or people on Twitter want to hear because let's be honest with you, saying you're going to have a net spend of sixty million pounds doesn't doesn't get clicks. It doesn't get people excited. Of course, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. The the one thing that makes me sad when I look at this United team and I look at Ollie is I look at this summer and I think if City don't get that world class striker they're after. Could keep them within our reach. 
If Liverpool don't go out and buy another two and three, we should stay in front of them. If Chelsea don't back Tuchel or use COVID as a similar situation where they've lost a lot of money, maybe United just could do it next year. But that's not the right reasons to be excited for a new season. And that's what pains me with United. Under this ownership, time and time again, it feels it feels dangerous to have aspiration as a fan at times because you know, you know, as soon as you aspire and as soon as you think you're one inspired signing, a Sancho, a Kane, a Koulibaly, whoever it may be, as soon as you think you're one or two of them away from greatness, you know you're just going to get punched back down to earth with a, mm-hmm. a project from Slavia Prague, an aging striker and a semi-decent holding midfielder who they've managed to get maybe out of a Barcelona or out of an Atletico Madrid who's fallen out of favour. It's, it's true to say, it's the hope that kills you in football mm. and, and in the Glazers, they certainly kill all hope. Yeah, so I, I, I would I wouldn't expect to see I, I, I my expectation for the summer is relatively tempered, Callum. Um I say that because it doesn't matter whether City go on and win the league, the European Cup. It doesn't matter whether they win the boat race, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there is ten trophies on the table and Liverpool won five and City won five. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter when Liverpool won the league. It didn't provoke a response from United. It didn't matter when they won the European Cup. It didn't provoke a response. It didn't matter when City won it before that. And it didn't matter. And it won't matter that City won it now. Because the Glazers don't care the way you do. They don't feel the embarrassment. They don't feel the hurt. They don't feel the shame. I said this. These are the same people that if you got the most money for finishing last, that would be their objective. Okay? They don't care about. They care about how much United, uh, how much uh, they care about the United result as much as you care about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers result. That's how much they care. They don't. Right. And what was really interesting in their statement is, forty-eight hours after the Super League collapses, the statement comes out about listening to the fans, which of course is a complete and utter insult. Right. And, and once again, an illustration of their utter contempt. For you, but 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 I will I will have some. Def- I'll defend that in a little bit, in, in another way. I'm explaining. So the Glazers, you know, they, they don't care. They didn't write that statement, right? Not a word of it. They 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 did nothing. They, they, so they're not responsible. They didn't want any apologies. They don't care, as you can see when the Daily Mirror doorstepped them. I mean, how hard is it to say, you know what? We're sorry. We said that in the statement. Uh, no comment. We'll we'll comment on it more later. Bye. Thank you. How difficult is that? He couldn't even bring himself to say sorry. That's how much you're worth. And then a little, you know, a little you know, kernel inside that um, statement is a, commu- a commitment to communicate more. Well, <laughs> <laughs> look. Yeah, I mean. You get it wrong, you have a high probability of getting it wrong whenever you're not even allowed to mention your name on a football phone in at the football club, you know? So, uh, you know, I know I'm, there's people inside United that want these the owners to communicate more and are constantly telling them they need to, right? And there's a lot of good people inside Manchester United that are ordinary people that work for them just like you do just like you work for your company. They had nothing to do with this. Most of those people are local. 
So they understand fan culture. They understand why fans are angry. And they had they knew that this was going to happen once this came out. And it's not fair that they get attacked because they're nothing to do with this. Right? And they can't comment on it. You know, most of them have young families. I wouldn't lose my job. You know, to take a moral stand, that moral stand gets forgotten about in 30 seconds later. No one cares. You know, I mean, people wanting these people to take a stand, lose their jobs, lose their livelihood. You know, you go home a hero, but you're broke. And your family don't eat. You know, that's a big, that's a big ask. So, you know, I know there's also really good people in Sydney United that are pleading with the owners to be different, right? And how they run the football club going forward. This is a massive moment, right? Because the fallout from this, right, is still going to happen. So you've got a situation where you've now got players and Solskjaer, what have you, that if they didn't know before, their bosses can't be trusted, they do now. And that now is a fractious relationship. And everybody knows in any relationship, once trust is gone, it changes everything. Right? Everything. And it changes your point of view of these people. It changes your relationship. It changes everything. So, I know Solskjaer was livid when this happened. Really, really angry. Especially being left out to dry. So were the players, all sorts of stuff. Really, as you would imagine. Really, really unhappy. So, um... Doesn't surprise me. Look at how many teams are involved in the Super League that didn't win this weekend. Last weekend. You know, it doesn't surprise me that preceding that, you need a draw. Don't play well. So, um, you know, for me, I think that the fallout from this is going to be, uh, it's going to go on for on and on. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens going forward. And uh, another thing I want to mention, Callum, uh, Bruno Fernandes, so two things. Bruno Fernandes hasn't scored a goal from open play in 15 games. That's incredible, right? Um, and a couple of days after a story came out that said uh, Bruno Fernandes would be willing to extend his contract and all that if Paul Pogba does, a couple of days after that he comes out and he says that he plays better with Pogba, he, he likes having him in the team, you know, and uh, he's very complimentary about his quality. That's interesting to me. Very interesting, and when you talk about top footballers, when you talk about elite footballers, then every every elite footballer who we've interviewed, who we've read interviews with, always says the same thing. When you are a top player and you play alongside other top players, other guys that are on your wavelength, you thrive. And that's what Fernandez clearly sees in Paul Pogba. That's what Fernandez will clearly see in Edinson Cavani. And when you have a situation where you could potentially lose one, if not both. And as you've already said, Phil, we mean we don't we don't necessarily trust the Glazers and the ownership to replace Cavani, who's a great footballer, an aging footballer. We don't trust the Glazers to replace an aging striker with someone who's going to be necessarily fit for purpose in the here and now. As you've talked about the prospect from Slavia Prague, might be might come in maybe in two years' time will be the real deal. But United don't have two years to wait. We, so if that's what we feel and we don't have that trust in them as an organisation, as an ownership in charge of an organisation, then how can we expect the likes of a, a Bruno Fernandes to have that trust and have that faith? If you are the, the cornerstone of a, of a Manchester United team like he is at the moment and you see the other 
cornerstones, the other crown jewels, potentially being picked off one by one, or even two in the same goal, you would have to be deeply worried. Uh, you would have to be deeply worried. And, and just one last point I want to make the ownership when you talked about the mm-hmm. communication there. What really peeves me off about the whole situation is, I know John Henry's video for the Liverpool fans was, I'll be honest with you, it made me cringe because mm-hmm. I must say, whoever his PR company are are fantastic. He talked about your club and all that. They deserve their money. They, they did a great job with the script. But the Glazers don't even have it in them to communicate face-to-face on a pre-record. Mm. They don't have it in them to pre-record something and put it out there and pretend and pretend that you've turned a corner. Look, we've realised, hi, it's me, I'm Joe Glazer. I'm, I'm fronting up, you can see me, I'm speaking directly to you. They don't even have that in them. They talked in the Super League statement about world-class facilities. United, mm. Old Trafford's roof is leaking. The, the training ground obviously was one of the best and it still continues to be a very good place for players to work. But you look at the new training grounds built with Tottenham and Leicester in recent years, those are the creme de la creme, those are the elite. Do you see United rushing to invest to upgrade straight away? Absolutely not. You well, don't see it in the stadium. Not. And but you don't see it in the, the players. And as you've just said, sorry Phil, to throw that off. If they're not investing in the facilities off the pitch, you don't trust them to invest on the pitch. How can you realistically expect a player with the quality of Bruno Fernandes, who, like you said with Ferguson, I'm not comparing him to Ferguson, just listen to me here, um, he would have his pick of clubs. If Bruno Fernandes came on the market tomorrow, yep. he would have his pick of clubs, and that's the problem. If he's in that position and he doesn't see a club that are backing his ambitions, then he's going to question it. And if he questions it, wasn't born in Manchester, didn't have an upbringing with the club, then if he questions it, chances are he goes. Yeah, look, Glazer's value, and, and this explains a lot, okay? And it also explains comments about what Woodward made. Glazer's see Manchester United's value in their brand, okay? Everything else is superficial to them. It's like Disneyland, okay? It's a universally recognised brand, okay? So they don't care if United's sitting in the fourth division playing on a shack. The value isn't in where you need to play, the value isn't in their facilities, the value isn't in anything other than the brand recognition and the power of that brand and what it means, okay? That's where they see the value. So this is why when Edward Ward said, it's not really important that United win, with really, I'm, 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 you know, I'm butchering this quote, but people know what I'm getting at. You know, there's no relation between United being successful on the pitch and being financially successful off the pitch, as Liverpool proved, to quote Woodward. This explains why they don't care about winning the league the way other clubs do. This explains why they do what they do, right? They don't, they leave Old Trafford an absolute mess because they don't think it adds anything to the value of Manchester United. If a Sheik wants to buy Manchester United, what won't kill the deal is because Old Trafford hasn't fixed its roof or because they're not playing the best training ground, right? What what they're selling is, hey, you're going to own a football club that gives you global access and recognition right away to distribute any message you want. So if you want to change your brand and your reputation, this is a way to do it. That's where they see the value. Uh, and just a quick uh, caveat, that Ronaldo deal, by the way, don't dismiss it. I say at the start of the season, uh, September, October, so on, that uh, with Ronaldo and Ronaldo rumours, 
but not totally false. I'm very in. Not, I said again, what I, I, I hate to pat myself on the back, but I think I, I talked about it whew, months ago. Uh, I'll dig out the tweet. Don't dismiss it. Uh, <clears throat> so I think that is a more realistic signing for United, Rafael Varane, who's someone they they like. He's got a year left on his contract. Um, and, uh, you know, you could get him at a reasonable price. So uh, Real Madrid don't want to sell him. Varane was asked about this at the weekend and just gave the... Uh, stereotypical answer uh, my future is at the end of the season which of course means I am leaving so um, I think that's United's number one target it's neither back whether Bailly stays or not a uh, couple of other little things before we get to questions Mark Harado of course the youngster United brought in last season from uh, Barcelona send the 17 year old send a pro deal so uh, uh, Paul Torres was asked at the weekend about uh, leaving Villarreal made very positive noises about sending for a big club so he's also someone that uh, you know that look, w- would like or you know have looked at before and skirted so um, <clears throat> be interesting to see what happens there but we'll get to some questions uh, start with Azim Iqbal says if the Glazers were to sell would the club be bought without any that or would the debt be inherited so <laughs> um it depends how you buy the club right so um if you know glazers if you give the glazers a hundred say they want to sell that you know for a billion right here's here's billion to own the football club they're not paying off the debt you want to hurt the debt the, the club owns the debt not them so um yeah, the Glazers sell the club, not the, the the debt comes with the football club. It's a commitment that the business owns, so you inherit it. Absolutely, that's a financial commitment of the business, so you inherit it. So the hope is that some of the buy the club and clear the debt. So Glazers gets Absolutely. to sell the club and and, and the debt, and, and now maybe someone factors that into a price and says, hey, this club four hundred million debt, it's not worth that. We we take, but but yeah, you inherit it. Absolutely, as you say. Confident that it never happens. If Manchester United went bust, the Glazers wouldn't necessarily go bust with it. They, they they've got their, their their own finances and their own uh, their own pockets. So at the end of the day, that's true. The other thing I would say in regards to takeover, and again, you've been very clear on your position on this. If it was to be a Saudi-backed uh, consortium or whatever, we, I agree with you. Sports washing, etc. Not not something I want to get involved with. If, if this is what you got to realise when when football clubs go up for sale. If it was a, a Saudi-backed bid, and I, again, I'm not saying that's what would happen, they would they would buy the club and they'd buy the day and they would probably commit to revamping Old Trafford and building a new training ground because when you're buying something for sports washing, then you are, you're going to invest everything that you can to get people on side very quickly. That's when you would maybe see two or three marquee names in one window, big splash, because you want, you want clout, you want people to like you. So I think it all depends on the... The, the sort of agenda of any mm-hmm. potential new owner. You're seeing with Arsenal at the moment, the Spotify owner talking a good game and wanting mm-hmm. to bring on Ree and Bergkamp and these guys in. That's to give them clout. You've got to be honest, that's to give them clout. And if the Saudi-backed or Russian-backed, whatever it was, if they were trying to buy United, wouldn't be surprised to see if there was a couple of high-profile people signed up to sort of front it and, and make it more palatable. Well, I mean, if, if they're going to integrate legends into the purchase... I don't have a problem with that. I'd rather they did that than integrate investment bankers. So for oh, me, absolutely. you know what I mean? I, at least they're trying to do something and, and, and it consistent with something that is you know consistent with the culture of the football club, with what matters to the football club, what matters to the fans. i got no issue with that. Uh, Sean Schfeeran and Mark Cheevers, I just pretty much asked the same question which we answered about buying a new centre-half, although Mark does ask about Busuma 
uh, and whether Ollie will continue to play with two Holden's midfielders. Well, you know, with Sam Basuma, look, Basuma plays for a Premier League club, so you're going to spend big, big money to get that kid out of there. He's been very impressive this season, so I don't see United doing that. The rumour the, 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 is that United will send a young midfielder. I expect that will come from somewhere around Europe. If they do that, or probably South America, where they'll get that player at a price they'd never get an established young midfielder in the Premier League. So, um, you know, I, I can't see you know, doing that. Uh, Chicago's man, Rosemary 11. Uh, <laughs> will Rashford ever get time to get healthy? Seems like he'll be playing for almost three straight years and only break being quarantined. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Callum. Yep. And the fact that he's been carrying an injury towards, you know, for a long, long time, uh, a serious back injury, ankle injuries. And, you know, I would really love for Rashford to get a rest this summer. And get a couple, get a month or two off, and come back because I think a fully fit Marcus Rashford is is is, is easily, you know, uh, uh, if not world class, certainly or there they're about. Brilliant, brilliant striker, brilliant player, um, and um, you know, someone that's almost appreciated more in Europe than he is in the Premier League. But uh, you know, I, I, I sincerely hope he gets a rest. Totally agree with that, and it reminds me of Wayne Rooney in many senses that every time it looked as if Wayne needed a rest, it happened to be in a year that. A major tournament was coming up for England and he was such a key player, just as Marty says, that there was such a public outcry if he didn't make it that he got rushed in and he had to play. So I think he needs a rest, but with a major tournament on the go, I don't think he'll get it. Uh, Kevin Kelly asks, haven't heard a lot of speculation on the asking price for the club. What's realistic? Who would the likely buyers be? Is there a potential problem with the club? Is in the same debt problem with new faces in the owner's box? Right. So the, the price... Is a really good question. The price is based on a couple of things. It's based on your profits, it's based on your turnover, your 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 debt, and all, and your value of the brand, everything else. Um, and I don't know what it's been appraised at, but I'm thinking that a couple of billion, which would be significantly more, obviously, than what the Glazers uh, purchased it for. So um, I think it all depends if the Glazers hold on to it, where it's no longer profitable and they're desperate to get rid of it, then the price drops. You know, but where United are at right now, with fans looking like they're coming back in the stadium next season, where the project, future revenue projections will be healthy. You know, they're going to be in the Champions League next season. There's some stability finally at the club, despite what happened last week. You're going to pay a healthy price. As for who, that really is the problem. You know, not well, many people true. have it. <laughs> in, te- in, t- in terms of Forbes, the, the latest valuation from Forbes was in April of this year, and it was $4.2 billion. Yeah. So, obviously, compare that into pounds, if you will, but but you're right. What the Glazers bought Manchester United for to them will seem like a bargain now because they are very disliked by the majority of Manchester United fans. They are uh, polarising across football, not just with United. There's a lot of people who who just love football who who just don't feel comfortable with the, with the way they bought the club. And and the, the the thing that frustrates me, I'd be very glad to see them gone if the right people come in and buy the club. But the thing that frustrates me is all the pain they've given United with debt. They'll walk away with a tidy profit, the scoundrels as well. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, Chris Castaneda asked a really, really important question, which I want to make a qualification on. He goes, how does an overseas supporter make a meaningful contribution to the Glazers Out movement? Can't lose his momentum. Look, the best way you can do anything effective is to starve the Glazers over the thing that um, that keeps them in, 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 you know, at Old Trafford, and that's cash. You know, if you starve them, what feeds them, you know, uh, uh, and what they crave. If don't buy stuff, don't buy stuff that they profit off. Anything that United have got their hands on, that's got anything that's got official on it, don't buy it. If that's what you really want to do, 
right? Um, but uh, I also want to make a quick clarification, Cam, because uh, I made a comment at the weekend. I, I, I want to clear this up about there was a video of young kids burning an American flag. And I got attacked by some people for pointing out stupidity. And let me clear up the point. First of all, overwhelmingly, the United fans that protested at the weekend were magnificent, right? Really, really, really magnificent. They'd done it right. They went there non-violent. They made their point. It didn't create any, any issues. Um, and, and it was effective. However, the Glazers are going to spend a lot of money on PR. And the type of things that PR companies pick up on is this. Because what they want to do is they want to discredit you. They want to say that this is really English xenophobic football fans going after Glazers who are under anti-American. Arsenal fans didn't burn the American flag. Liverpool fans didn't burn the American flag. So this makes United fans look bad. And when the protests were happening before... They were deliberately obfuscated by many who are handling in the media and claimed they're anti-Semitic, they're anti-American, and that really hurt the protests. So what I'm saying is don't give them a gift. Don't give them something that they can take and use that imagery and say, look, you really are just a bunch of thugs. Because the protest at its core is very difficult to discredit. So don't give them something that they can use and discredit the protests. So that's all I'm saying. Something like that doesn't help. Right? And it's not innocent. And it's not going to provoke the Glazers to get out of Manchester. They're not going to go, oh shit, you burn a American flag. That's it. We're out. I mean, have some common sense. The only thing they're going to do when they look at that is laugh and go, thank you. That's it. Don't give them it. That's why I don't like these protests being hijacked by Ollie Out or any other of the thousands of messages that come with it. Protest should be simple, a very clear message, very simple message. This is what we're here to get the Glazers out because of their financial mismanagement of this football club and the threat that it poses, perfectly fine. Once you start adding a laundry list of other items, again, it gets discredited and nobody really knows why they're there. So this is why it's really important that they're well-organized, well-attended, and, 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 and well-policed. So uh, that, thanks for that question, Chris. I, I want to try to wrap this part up because we have forever. Um, mate, do you have anything to say on that before I move on? I'll just be honest and say I couldn't have said it better myself. You're, you're, you're spot on. If you give the PR companies that they will inevitably hire uh, that imagery, as you say, it will be used against you. And when, when the problem that, that, that people have is when you discredit a protest, you divide and conquer. As soon mm -hmm. as you divide the fan base, you conquer because you just right, drive right through the middle. Everyone's arguing with each other and they miss the wider problem. Correct. And you need more than Manchester United fans if this protest is to be successful. So you have to appeal to the wider public. Um, <clears throat> politicians and everybody else that need to write this regulatory governance so that this stuff stops. Uh, Dorley says, "Would uh, how the players view the club. Question would be how the players view the club given what's happened. What's the truth behind Fernandez asking for Pogba's contract uh, on his Woodward replacement? Um, we, Woodward's replacement will probably be like for like. You're probably going to see someone the same who, who is very similar to Woodward and ideas and everything else because that's why Woodward got the job because he best represents the Glazers' 
uh, views on how they want to run the football club. As for how the players view the club, given what's happened, we kind of covered that a little bit and show some fractions. And it's it, it's a concern. Um, and uh, Fernandez asked my pocket contract. We also covered mate earlier. Um, I don't know exactly how true that is because I haven't asked, but. Um, it was interesting the two days after that story came out that Pat Fernandez talks about how well he likes playing with Pogba. But uh, Paul MFC, we covered that on Bayi, uh, Dylan O'Donnelly. Can I, Sorry, mate, go ahead, yeah. Dylan's got a point, obviously, as well, uh, mm-hmm. about the, the ownership and, and the change of chief executive. Yep. The one point I want to make in this, um, and, and I'm sure you'll agree with this if you don't, obviously feel free to say, a lot of people seem to think Edwin van der Sar would be perfect for the role, yeah. he probably would be. But he's a football man. Why right. would the Glazers bring no in a football chance. man to do that job and they're interested in the brand across the world rather than what's on the pitch? Uh, correct. And asking whether it be Richard Arnold or Cliff Barry, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I would say it's more likely to be Richard Arnold than it is Cliff Barry. Um, you know, Richard Arnold's got more experience with the commercial side. Uh, Cliff Barry obviously runs the f- uh, financial side. He's more a, 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 f- a, a figures type of guy, is what I understand. So uh, I don't see... Cliff Valley taking that role, but who knows? A um, couple more questions, folks. Uh, apologies to the guys we don't get to. Thanks for everyone who sends them in. Um, Will Wright says, Do you think the Glazers' Super League defeat will mean they're even less likely to invest in the transfer market? Listen, um, the Glazers, even if they did get into the Super League, would not have taken that and <laughs> translated it to spending. That would have just translated to more money for them to take out, right? Because the Glazers' objective in the Super League is the same as it is in the Premier League. And if they get into the Super League, there'll be even less incentive to spend than there is in the Premier League. At least now there's consequences for failure. They want to get in a position where they can make as much money as possible without having to spend money. That means that you get 11 youth players out there and you still get a couple of billion. Right? So this is... A good thing if you want United to invest because it forces them to invest, which they really don't want to do, and then that forces it brings them closer to I just want to get rid of this football club. So going to be really interesting. They have to spend. They they don't have a choice. Uh, they've never had an appetite for spending. It's always been you know make sure we you know they'll give you as little as possible. But so uh, if anything, the Super League helps. Uh, uh, I'll read one or two more, mate, and then we'll we'll leave it there. Do you have anything else? I just agree on that. Um, in terms of that, I think United's net spend's always there or thereabouts, and it just seems to be the common figure that's put in place. So I don't see that changing. Mungo Jai, nineteen eighty-five, asks if United are going to go for a number nine in the summer. Do you think Martial could be uses a part of a deal with Holland or Kane? Personally, I'd like to see you really get Champions League football. Uh, bring home CR seven would be an easier deal. Uh, no, some was that uh, the Spurs or Bruce Dortmund don't want Anthony Martial. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, no, there's no chance of that happening and um, you know, as far as Ronaldo goes we've already covered that mate um, last one we'll leave it there sorry to, for the folks that we didn't get to my sincere apologies we will get to them uh, next week's show or advance they'll try to respond to them on Twitter do you think Bayern PSG uh, this is from Neil Jones uh, do you think Bayern and PSG have plans to join the European Super League and then pulled out no they didn't uh, PSG for the Nasser Khalifa reason who obviously uh, would go, is part of UEFA uh, you also need to go back to look at how he purchased that club um, and Michel Platini's role in that so no chance Bayern have a moral C- compass cru- go ahead Calum Cruci- crucially as well uh, Khalifa's now in charge of the European Club Association yeah. so 
Angeli's obviously stepped down as he, as he would have had to but if he didn't step down he would have been gone already so Khalifi's got himself into a good position there and the one thing that surprised me with Man City I know this is a City show so I'll keep it brief um, I, I think PSG are one of these clubs with a again a state a state owned club you could say um, so for them with the money that they've got and the investment they've got it was perfect PR for them not to join the Super League. That's why I'm shocked Man City joined it. It was perfect PR to say, look, we might be the new money teams, but we've we've got standards, we've got morals. And, and although it's superficial, it buys a lot of clout, and clout's very important because we talked about PR with the Glazers and the American flag. If you look as if you're doing the right thing, you can very quickly market that and try and change perceptions very quickly. Uh, Damien Keaton, we already answered that question. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, Dr. Grant Campbell, of course, someone you know very well, lovely guy, um, asked, how, how worried are you about Roma on Thursday? Um, Roma, have, I know they lost, uh, saying they lost to Calgary at the weekend. Uh, still a yeah. concern. They're they're still a very good team. They've still got good players. It's still Manchester United. They're still capable of getting up for you know a game against United. It's still a difficult game. United weren't great the weekend either. Uh, a lot is going on at the football club, so it's uh, they, they need to be taken seriously. Um, do you totally agree. Agree, totally agree. Have to take them seriously. Um, you can easily look on paper and say they've got the likes of Small and Fazio. Uh, Santon, they've got Vertu, mm-hmm. who used to be at Villa, and say these players weren't necessarily superstars in England, but they'll be even more determined, as you've said, Phil, to come and prove a point. Because if you're Roma and you manage to put Manchester United out over two legs, although you're sitting seventh and you're probably not going to be in the major European chase in Italy, you can still change the narrative of your season. And given where they are in the league, sitting seventh in Serie A, they know a Europa League win changes their full season. One, it's a major trophy that they can market, and two, it gets them the Champions League. So they will be up for this game and don't be fooled by their league setup. Because as you've said, any team that plays Manchester United yep. is going to be up for it. But Roma especially, given what it means to them if they want to, to get into the Champions League again. Definitely. Uh, we'll run through these last two really last couple really quick. Glazers, Cash Kai FC Aston Skill of one to ten with ten being the most likely. Where I put the chances the Glazers selling up in the next twelve to twenty four months. And thanks for listening, mate. Um I would say it's maybe increased five percent from where it was before because it's always contingent upon someone having the money to buy the football club and making them an acceptable offer. That's always been the case. The Clasers are people that love money. And much that are a vehicle for personal enrichment. So it's always been for sale, right? Uh, maybe their appetite has increased this week because they see uh, the revenue streams diminishing and maybe they feel like you need to have maximized their commercial potential. Then that's when they sell and they get an acceptable offer. So um, I would still say it's not great. I would still say it's highly likely. It's more likely they'll still be here in 12 to 24 months than not. Um, but uh, maybe their appetite's increased just ever so slightly. Uh, do you have anything to say on that, mate, before we move on? I agree with you. I think if you're scoring it out of 10, I would say 5 or a 6. I think... The word I would use is they might be wavering at the moment, but really for them to take the... The thing that I, I would say is they're, they're not going to wake up, as you say, one, a couple of protests and say, right, both need to get out of here. As soon as, while the money's still coming in, they've shown for, for 16 years, for the majority of the 16 years, that they don't care with the flag mm-hmm. that comes their way. They just brush it off. So I think they might be wavering, but it's a lot, there's a long, long way to go yet. And that's why fans like yourself need to continue the... 
the sort of glazers out movement. You have to keep it fresh. You have to keep it current. You have to stay uh, unified because as soon as, as I said earlier, as soon as they divide you, they conquer and they march on. And in 24 months, they'll be still here and we'll be scratching our heads as to why. Uh, Gangster Chris asks, any development of potential purchase of the club? Would you already answer that question, mate? Uh, and changing transfer targets? Uh, I don't think, you know, transfer target situations changing based on who United sell, based on who wants to leave, based on who's available. Uh, I don't believe United have settled 100% on the targets yet. So um, that, of course, is definitely subject to change based on lots of different variables uh yang do you add that mate nope spawn sean webb asked uh last couple here everything with two left why are we never linked with son he'd be perfect to play on our left hand side move rice with more central well united are find it extremely difficult to send anyone from spurs even when all the world was after <laughs> to them so i think that's part of the problem he would cost a lot of money spurs not going to sell him cheap so um i just think it's a question of united don't have a need there uh, they don't really want to negotiate with, with Daniel Levy and they're not going to pay that type of money for an established player. Um, <clears throat> so, um, anything, anything to add that, mate? No, one word, money. That's it. Folks, that's it. Uh, thanks to each and every one of you for sending in your questions. Links for all of you who download the show, retweet it, like, support it. So, so appreciated. Go to by YouTube, by the way, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube page because there's tons of content that I'm putting up there. Um, and uh, I'd appreciate you subscribing. I have Keith Gillespie tomorrow, uh, so make sure you tune in for that. I uh, had Rodri Giggs on yesterday, which was an interesting conversation where we, he absolutely is in the Gary Neville for his hypocrisy. If you got a chance, check it out. Also uploaded as a podcast. Uh, I've got loads of other people coming up. I'll have Nicole Deans on next week. Um, you need to check out her pod, her uh, her blog, which she's easily one of the most talented writers in Man- uh, that, that writes on Manchester United before her previous account got bagged. Um, she had 30,000 plus uh, United She Stands. Um, I retweeted her stuff earlier, so you'll find her on my timeline. Go follow her. She's well worth it. Um, and my comrade here, give him a follow. So, uh, folks, I hope you're all well. I know it's a tough time for you all, me included. Uh, my bad days. Uh, just one last thing. Please, 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 if you've DM'd me, understand that it's the worst way to get a hold of me. Right, I have literally hundreds of unresponded DMs. I just don't get time. It's the worst way to get a hold of me. Uh, if it's really, really urgent, just tweet me. I'll, I'll see it. But uh, please don't take it personal if I haven't got back to you on a DM. Uh, I, I, I honestly, I feel I get anxiety even looking at it. Uh, Callum, go ahead, mate. It's just an absolute pleasure as always to be on the show. Thanks for your support. Phil's just talked about the YouTube channel. If you've not subscribed, go on now. Roger Giggs, the latest interview. Some very interesting comments on uh, Gary Neville and the ownership of football in the UK. Very interesting comments in United. A lot of people talk about him being Ryan's brother, etc. But he's a passionate United fan. He's watched United for years. Phil's superb as always. And there's even a tweet from Roger's Beagle. Get on the Hi. YouTube, get <laughs> subscribed. Thank you, mate. And uh, I really appreciate everyone's support, folks. Uh, Stay strong, uh, take care of your mental health, and uh, we love you all. Take it easy, folks. Thanks. See you, mate. See you later. Cheers, Cal.